Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about the America Can We Talk mission, American freedom, pursuing truth and a new movie, and when politics obliterate reality. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. You know, I get here on Monday morning and there's so many things I want to tell you all that I really wish I had kind of a three-hour show on Monday, but... I have my usual show. I want to just tell you in this first five kind of the reasons I'm just newly uh, re-energized and, and grateful and excited about America um, and about why I do this show. To start with, if this is the first time you're watching my show, I do this show to speak up for, to defend, to articulate, to explain more deeply the fact that America is an extraordinary, unique, exceptional nation based on extraordinary, exceptional, unique ideas, which have over the centuries, those very ideas, those founding ideas of America, have created an American population and American people who are good and noble. Our country is unique in all the world. I love foreign travel. I've visited many countries. I plan to visit many other countries. I respect other countries' sovereignty and individuality. But there is something in fact, many some things so unique, so extraordinary about America and in this time, in this era, in this generation, that very idea of America is in profound need of explanation and defense. This country is under siege internally inside America, under siege between warring factions within our country. It is a cold war, it is a war of ideas, but these are not minor idea differences in America between you know, people who want some tax rate to be you know, 42% versus 38%. This is the war we're in America right now is a war between those who want to continue and perpetuate and hold on to the America of the founding that is premised on the idea that we all have rights simply because we're born, that in fact the founders meant every single human who's ever been born has these God-given rights. But the idea of America is we're founded on recognizing the rights given to individuals and the, by their creator, by God, and the idea that we have the right to live in freedom. And that is why our country was founded in the way it was, the creation of the Constitution, a, de a government dedicated to preserving that. This is the battle we're in, is whether or not we can hold on to America or is it going to fall over the cliff into communism? Because this is where we are right now. I often try to uh, use a long uh, word salad combination of, well, you know, it's socialism, Democrats, socialism, Marxism, communism. You need to understand where the left is headed is communism. They don't say that, but that's where we're headed and that's where we are right now. And often I tell you show, stories on this show, make arguments, discuss policies, interview guests, and try to say things that make you or help people understand what the threat is. I, I try very often to do that, to try to say, you know, please wake up. This is not Republican versus Democrat, conservative versus liberal. This is America or not America. And I may, in the course of my many interviews and, and commentary, 
have have caused some of you to feel like, wow, we are really, really, uh, you know, we've kind of already lost the battle. There, there's no way forward. There's no way out of the predicament we are in as a country. And I want to make very clear to you, there is a way out. There are many avenues out. And the reason I'm so kind of pumped up today is because I want to tell you about the last few days in our life. So last week, after our show on Thursday, I went to an event featuring Mike Lindell, Mr. My Pillow. He is a extraordinarily energetic speaker. If you ever heard him speak, it's the first time I'd heard him in person, I'm pretty sure. No, I heard him one other time. But in any case, it was a very uh, high energy, high powered uh, speech he gave to a, a room full of patriots, basically saying, telling his life story, which is a story that could only happen in America. A story of a man who really lost his way and really sunk low and got into the depths of, of addiction to drugs, addicted to crack, and ended up being a multimillionaire CEO of My Pillow. Along the way, made contacts and connections politically. Not a political guy, not a you know, hardcore Republican, hardcore conservative, not really a political guy at all. But he came to realize and focus on what happened in the 2020 election cycle. I'm going to turn to him in the next segment of today's show. But the other thing that happened over this weekend, which is causing me to just kind of enter the studio today and, be, and, and join you today, in a very upbeat way is that over the weekend, my husband and I had the great opportunity to go to an event functioned, functioned a function uh, sponsored by the House Freedom Caucus, the U.S. Congress House Freedom Caucus, the House Freedom Fund. And if you don't know what that is, within the United States Congress, there are all sorts of caucuses. These are just groups that create uh, around a certain thing. Like there, there is the um, there, there are caucuses for all sorts of causes and um, ideologies. The Freedom Caucus, the House Freedom Caucus, is a caucus that got created entirely and specifically because it is dedicated to the idea that those members of Congress have as a fundamental obligation in their service to their country, in their, in their time as they serve in Congress, a fundamental obligation to protect and preserve the freedom of America, the future freedom of America. They are is made up of an extraordinary number of members of Congress who just simply see issues in the bigger picture, are not going to just get caught up in the battle of the day on some bill about whether version A or B is better, but they're the ones saying, no, our big, our overarching job is to preserve America's freedom. And I have to tell you, it was the most inspiring time. So we heard from Jim Jordan, you know, who is, I think, the current head of it. I'm not even sure. I believe Mark Meadows was the gentleman uh, who founded it. Mark Meadows then became, as you know, the chief of staff for President Trump. Uh, did an extraordinary job at that. Uh, Jim Jordan involved in it. But there were many, many people there, including, I'll tell you, we heard several fabulous speeches by Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I have to tell you, she's extraordinary. Extraordinary. Lauren Boebert, several speeches from her. A p tiny, diminutive, little power-packing young woman. Um, and both of them, in their remarks to this group, remarks this group who are gathered to celebrate the House Freedom Fund, House Freedom Caucus, both of them just really conveyed the message, and, and, and you took home from that, this idea that number one, they are committed to the foundational freedoms of America. 
If you Google their names, you will find all sorts of ugly, incendiary media characterizations. I don't know, tinfoil hat, hater, you know, stupid, whatever words they would use. These are women who get America. If you hear them speak, they understand America. They get it. They're committed to fight for it. They are committed despite when you end up listening to the slings and arrows these people take, the leftists take against them, what the leftists do to them, their families, their children, their husbands, their businesses. These people are taking the wrath of the left. And again, these are mainstream, main street, you know, heartland Americans. That's who these women are. And they've taken so much grief, so many just vicious attacks, relentless mockery from the left for standing up for the idea of America. But what was so engaging about them, they weren't there lamenting. They weren't there saying, oh, woe is me, this is terrible. They're saying, hey man, I'm in the fight. I hope you're in the fight with me. I'm never giving up on America. There were speeches like that all weekend long. It was so energizing. Plus you realize the House Freedom Caucus is on fire to preserve America. They are on fire to do that. So we heard from them. Oh, the other two organizations kind of tangentially involved, the Senate Conservatives Fund, and there may be, actually I was hearing uh, remarks from one person that there may be a Senate Freedom Caucus formed because they're a little bit concerned about whether the Senate Conservative Fund is kind of giving up and becoming the, um, you know, kind of, I don't know what you call them, rhino or kind of average around the mill Republicans. And also another group, um, two other groups, one's run by uh, Senator DeMint, former Senator DeMint now runs a CPI, the Conservative Policy Institute, fabulous organization in Washington, helping to uh, the members of Congress uh, learn how to talk about the issues in a more effective way, how to use social media, provide them with way, with uh, kind of just an interaction, a place to go, right? At, it's very close to the Capitol. You can go over to CPI and they, they feel like kind of get fed and renewed by this organization, really an organization dedicated to networking, getting the, all of the conservative organizations in this country on the same page and working together. And then the other organization is Center for American Renewal. And I'm telling you all this to summarize and wrap up my first five, I wanna say this. This is a time, as a, the famous words, a time to try men's souls. This is a time when the people who actually want to hold on to the fundamental basic promise of an America committed to the liberty and the freedom of the individual, this is a time for people who do that to recognize you will be mocked. You'll be ridiculed. You will be uh, labeled a right-wing extremist or a tinfoil hat person or whatever it is they come up with. Because the left at this point, the Marxist communist left that has now taken control of the Democrat party and taken control in Washington, they think they've won. They are now on the absolute war path to shut down voices that stand up and speak up for America. It is what they're committed to doing. And I'm gonna close out the first five by, sh by telling you that this show and shows like mine, where you have people, you have hosts who are well-informed, articulate, passionate, relentless. These are the places to come to find truth. These are the places to come to get renewed every day, to understand what is at stake, what is happening in Washington. Because if you tune in to the mainstream media, 
or ABC, NBC, CBS, CNBC, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, all of the allegedly, you know, bulwark media. These are left-wing media mouthpieces who do not in any degree, in any degree, challenge the Marxism that has taken over today's Democrat Party. They don't challenge it. They won't. They're right with them. They are in lockstep with the radical left that's taken over America. It is not a time, however, for despairing. I cannot tell you how enthused we were, how just reinvigorated we were after weekend being around people like this. Because you realize there were a lot of people listening to these words. There were a lot of great speakers. There were people in the audience listening to these words. You just filled a room full of patriots and you realize there are plenty of smart, engaged, and high energy people in the fight for America. And on my kind of show, I will tell you, this is my miniature little plug today for joining the show, for being becoming a member of my show. I can do this show right now because I don't have, I'm not on any of the networks that can shut me down. I am not on, I don't have advertisers who can crush my message, which happens to many, many outlets. Well, the advertisers don't want you to say this. They don't think you should say that. And so where people and outlets like mine get a voice and have the ability to continue is because people choose to sponsor and support. So I'll show you a quick uh, tweet put out by Scott Adams. I read it to you last week, but I didn't have it with me. So this is Scott Adams, very, the very famous Scott Adams. It won't be long before consumers of ad-based news media are seen as mental slaves to ridiculous narratives while the customers of subscription-based news are the only free thinkers remaining to preserve our system. There you go, Scott Adams. Subscribing to a show like mine can really help. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. I want to say what I call Pursuing Truth and a New Movie. And I want to tell you that um, I had not, um, I had not paid all that much attention uh, to Mike Lindell and my pillow stuff during the uh, during this election cycle. But last week I mentioned in the, in the first five, my husband and I went to hear him speak last Thursday. And first of all, whatever else you think about him, you know, he was a crack addict. And, and so you could, a lot of people say, well, you know, he's to be dismissed, can't listen to him, you know, he messed up his life. He's also extremely outspoken about his Christian faith, which is un unsettling and uncomfortable to some people. They, they think, you know, I'm talking politics, I don't want to hear about religion, whatever. This is who he is. And, and he, credits, I'm sure he credits his recovery from his addiction, his, his life being renewed to his Christian faith. So he's very earnestly, he's not a, I used to call them scripture slingers, you know, the ones that uh, politicians just kind of always slinging scripture and it doesn't ring true. It just sounds like they've just memorized passages to say, to convince you to support them. He's not like that. He's the real deal. Wh whatever you do think about those things about him, his life story of coming around to uh, his success in my pillow his recovery from addiction and then his involvement in politics this is a guy who has not been political his whole life he literally was invited to the prayer breakfast because in washington uh, because of his outspoken faith in in the context of being mr my pillow you know doing the little ads how he built up my pillow from nothing and he ended up connecting with and leading and, and, and 
uh, yeah, connecting with various Republican figures in Washington, including President Trump. He had hilarious stories about really being unaware of protocol in Washington in a variety of ways. I'll tell you one of them because it was so funny before I get to his new movie. So he's telling this story about being in the White House. He's so not tuned into politics. He doesn't know, did not know Deborah Burks, who was a doctor, a woman doctor, who's also allied with uh, Fauci, Dr. Fauci, um, in Washington uh, at the time, giving President Trump advice about COVID. So he had a, um, a meeting in the White House, and I think he's in the Oval Office, and, you know, President Trump is there, someone else is there, he sees this woman sitting in a chair, and he sits down next to her, he says, hey, you know, hi, uh, I'm Mr. Pillow. I'm Mike Lindell, and um, he said, who are you? <laughs> and she said her name, Dr. Deborah Burks, and he goes, oh, really, what do you do? He had no idea who she was, and so it was kind of like, it was, it was entertaining because he really wasn't trying to be disrespectful, he just had no idea who she was, and then he tells the story, so they go out that big day, you may remember the day, uh, in the, uh, at the White House, outside in the lawn, they had the media there, and they were making remarks about, you know, uh, President Trump got up, and whoever, you know, and, and so Mr. Pillow, Mike Lindell, was asked to make comments. Well, he to go out and be seated. He didn't realize how it was all going to be that day. So he goes out and, and the, you know, the lawn is set up and the media is there and the chairs are all lined up. So he sees President Trump going over by the stand. So, he's gonna, so he, Mike Lindell, walks by. He sees Trump where he is. So he walks over and sits down at some chair in the front row. And someone came by and said, actually, uh, sir, that is uh, the chair for Mr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci. And he goes, oh, okay. So he moves over one. So he's in some other chair, and and uh, so uh, so Fauci sits down. Anyway, the whole point of it was when Deborah Burks came out, he either didn't realize who she was or what her role was. I mean, he'd met her in the in the Oval Office, but he didn't know who she really was. She just said her name. She, he didn't realize she had any role there that day. He was in her chair, and she kind of came over and stood by him, like you know, you're in my chair. And he said, just looked up at her like, you know, hey, lady, I got this chair. Find your own chair. I don't think he, I don't know why I found that so funny. He just said, basically, he didn't know who she was. And, and so he stayed in his chair. The other thing was the comments he made that day, which really reverberated around the nation, uh, were remarks totally off the cuff. He had some speech someone had written for him. And he's like, I, I can't really, I, I can't do this speech. I, I don't understand this speech. He didn't do it. Gave, gave the remarks that really galvanized the nation. But back to him, he has a new film out, a new uh, documentary or a movie, I called it movie, and uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's like all the other ones are, it's online, and in our show links today, if you go to my website, americancanwetalk.org, on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links, you'll find a link, the movie is called Absolute Interference, Absolute Interference, and he's talking again about the 2020 elections. He's had two previous films out, talking about the 2020 elections and you know kind of basically what the evidence he has uncovered that he says shows absolutely that the 2020 elections were stolen and so this new film uh, it is being talked about is just kind of game-changing and I want to just hit two points about it and then wrap up this segment but they're pretty important points to really uh, encourage you to watch the film I encourage you to go to that link and watch absolute interference to be perfectly honest with you, uh, my husband has listened to the whole thing. I've listened to just the first hour. Uh, we got back late last night from the weekend. I was up 
past midnight trying to listen to it. And I was in the first hour. I'll listen to the rest very soon. But one of the things I learned, and it's really, really important to understand this, what they have uncovered is uh, data, algorithms you can put up on charts that show essentially that the, our voter rolls in America, the voter rolls in, and I don't know if they claim every place in America, but voter rolls in the significant areas in America where the elections are decided, our voter rolls are filled with people who don't exist. The doctor he had on, and I couldn't even catch the specialty the doctor had. He's some like total egghead, sorry to be mean, but kind of eggheady guy. And he's basically explaining that he figured out that if you take the statistics from the previous census 10 years ago, and so you have any particular jurisdiction, and they have you know the statistics that come from the census, they say, you know, X percent of population in this area are in this age range. So you have you know X percent in this age range, and the chart's going is running a little chart. It's got you know a higher percentage of people, uh, younger ages, and then going down, and then very you know, very you know goes to where, where the millennials are, and then where the um, the baby boomers are, and then ultimately obviously tapering off as people pass on. So you can chart those numbers from you know, flat out data from the Census Bureau. And then they have the number of people who voted. And the most astonishing thing is the votes tally nearly precisely. They, they echo the, uh, the, date, the data from the census to a T. To an, and, and so he had, and I cannot give you the precise numbers, but I'm getting at the point so, so he's pointing out that it's almost statistically impossible for this parallel to be so precise and exact and replicated in all of these important, in fact, every county in Ohio, he subjected his, his algorithm he had figured out to every county in Ohio with the outcome that same thing happening, a, a just almost precise mirroring of the, the data from 10 years ago to who voted. And then they went in and they got actual available online in Ohio, apparently, maybe everywhere, I don't know, but they got actual names of voters. And they, they decided to go like house to house. Okay, you have these people registered at this address um, who voted, who are shown to have voted. And you go to that address with the voter roll, and you're saying, yeah, you know, right here, uh, you know, Jane Doe, you're registered at, you know, this address, and you showing, as showing you voted in this election cycle. And they're knocking on doors, hi, we're double checking, you know, we have your names in the voter rolls, uh, Jane Doe, and this address, show you voted, and they found countless examples, and I'm not going to pretend I can quote numbers, because I don't have that, but I will get this, but countless examples where the people in the house never heard of the name. No one by that name at that house. It isn't like, to be clear, that they're looking at people who didn't vote. They're looking at people who cast a vote in November, who when they knock on their door, the people who answer never heard of them. I don't know, lived here a long time, never heard of them. And it was the point he's saying is that the voter rolls themselves are filled with people who don't exist and whose votes are being cast either electronically or being cast by people posing as that person. 
and I really encourage you to watch this because what Lindell is getting at is, and, and, and by the way, another big theme of this film is he's not trying to blame the Democrat Party. He is saying, he is trying to say, he's trying to say that the control of this, and they, they can show through the data they lay out in this film and the previous films, that the voter, the voting machines in our country were connected to the internet, which they used to always claim they weren't, but they were. I mean, James Comey gave testimony for the United States Congress saying the voting machines in this country are not connected to the internet. Not, 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 but they are. They all are. Connected to the internet, hackable, to the point you can add voters, you can change their votes. This is what this guy is saying. And in this film, he runs through various foreign actors whose participation in activity in America's voter rolls can be proven, can be shown, not just speculated, but shown. And so I'm getting to the point that if you want to say that whatever happened in the November 2020 elections, we just should let it go, that's one thing you can say. But you cannot, in honesty, after watching this film and watching all the other evidence coming out, say that the November 2020 elections were clean elections. This is the left-wing mob media who have decided to treat anyone who challenges election fraud the same way they treat Marjorie Taylor Greene and any other conservative who dares to speak up in Congress. The idea that our election machines are hackable, that we can have foreign interference, is one of Lindell's big points is everyone should care. Every American, every American of every race, creed, ethnicity, national origin, political orientation, everybody should care. And that's what he's trying to say is, you know, people need to watch this and understand, okay, at least get to recognizing we had major hacking in America's election of November 2020. And the numbers being discussed on his film were something like, he says, Trump got somewhere in the range of 80 million votes. Contrasted with Biden, got something in the range of 66 million. Which leads me to my next point and final point in this segment. In the conference over the weekend, I heard, I mean, everyone there, this House Freedom Caucus supporters group, you know, they're conservative, obviously. But there were people in the crowd who were saying in these, in these small meetings we had, you know, s small little dinners, were saying, well, you know, you got to kind of let this go at some point. Okay, you know, we had a big meltdown. We really tried to make a fuss. We didn't prove our case as of November 3rd, 2020. We couldn't make change things on January 6th. We have to let it go. Just let it go, move forward, fix the legislation in various states. You know, legislation that relates to, on, to online voting, to the hackability of voting machines, to the use of mail-in ballots. I mean, fix voter rolls, fix voter ID, whatever you can do, fix it, fix it, fix it. But leave November 2020 alone. There are a lot of people saying that. And I can understand that sentiment. I really can, because it was so tumultuous in America. But I want you to think about this. In what other context in this level of massive fraud would in any other context in America, would we say, 
Okay, well, bad guys won. The people committing fraud succeeded. So we're going to let it go. Imagine if it were your family's money, whether your family is wealthy or has very little. If your family was defrauded out of everything you have and you've been struggling to make ends meet and you didn't discover till 10 years later how the fraud happened and that you could prove it and that somebody else has your money, stole your money. Would you say, well, you know what? Fraud happens. Hey, you know, we let it go. No, you would try to persuade the legal system to do something about it, to correct the fraud. That's what you would do. Same thing if you were, and God forbid this happened to anyone, although it does happen occasionally. Say that in the hospital after giving birth to your child, someone kidnapped your child out of the hospital and you, and, and you lost your child. And 10 years later, Someone who'd fraudulently removed your child, given your child uh, their name, their family name, raised their child, you know, pretended it was theirs, and 10 years later, you found your own child. Would you say, well, you know what, at this point, hey, fraud is fraud, they got, no. You would fight to correct the situation. Now think about what happened in November of 2020. I don't know how to get there, and I am not, I, I don't know how to get there. But I will say, this is the biggest fraud that has ever occurred in American history. The biggest fraud that has ever occurred in American history. It is the stealing of a nation. Because it's not just that the election was stolen, that the American people were affirming by their votes. They wanted to keep on with the Trump agenda. They wanted to keep on the reinvigorating of the identity of America. They wanted to keep on shoring up our borders, keep on strengthening our military, keep on restoring the American free market economy. The American people chose that in overwhelming numbers. But the other side who benefited from this Fraud on the election is bringing our country to the brink of communism. It's bringing our country to the brink of totalitarian government-controlled society. The closer attention you pay to what the legislation is that the Democrat-controlled Congress is trying to push and the policy initiatives being pushed by President Biden, the closer attention you pay, the more you realize these people are not playing on the American ball field, land of the free and home of the brave. They are playing in the ball field that says, we are going to take control of this country and you're not gonna do one darn thing about it. That's the ball field they're playing on. They are going to take control through the Green New Deal. If you even get the hints of the kind of provisions in that bill will scare any freedom loving American. That bill, the HR1, S1, the radical theft of America's election system, the federal government takeover of everything about America's election system, it is the theft of America itself. And this is why, my friends, you need to care that we push to have more and more Americans understand the level and the scope and the depth of the fraud of election 2020 and then we as a nation come together to figure out what do we do to remedy it? What is it we do? Because our country has been overrun and overtaken by people who do not love, do not even like, and do not respect the founding idea of America, the founding ideas of our freedom. They do not want those freedoms to continue. And you 
if you don't want if you don't want to fight it now, understand as their power expands more, their to, their totalitarian control expands more, you'll have less and less of a window, fewer and fewer opportunities to stand up and correct the horrific injustice and fraud of election 2020. Watch Mike Lindell's video, learn these facts yourself, and then share it with your 25 best friends. The last thing I want to hit today, I called it when politics obliterates reality. And I got to tell you, folks, I just, these, these things that happen in America, I'm going to hit three topics, but it's like three topics and, you know, a million other subtopics. And, and, and but I, I mean, I know, I, the one reason I'm doing this is, uh, this today is, I said in the beginning of the show, this show is about preserving America. If we had some, you know, uh, run-of-the-mill kind of, you know, democrat light person in the White House and nothing much happening and mostly the country's on track and nobody's thinking about shutting down the fossil fuel industry and nobody's thinking about abandoning our border and nobody's thinking about having America become part of the global uh, community and um, abandoning American sovereignty. If none of those things were on the table, you know, I might not be doing this show right now because it, is, it was not anything I ever planned in my life to be doing. But I'm doing this show because America itself, the very fundamental idea of America, is under siege. And so I want to tell you in this segment about one way that is accomplished by the left, and it is by literally obliterating reality, ignoring reality. This is what happens when, because the left cannot sell their arguments, their policies, their Marxist agenda if they tell the American people the truth. Because the American people would say, ah, mm, no thanks. They actually said no thanks in November of 2020. But the left continues to get their way by pushing their agenda, by misleading characterizations of what they're up to. So I'm gonna hit three topics. Uh, one is, I'm gonna start with COVID. And by the way, if you listen to the show every day, tomorrow I have Dr. Bartlett joining me in the studio. Dr. Richard Bartlett, who first came on the show back in July of last year, July 2020. And he was the one who said he discovered the just amazing efficacy um, of budesonide as a treatment for COVID. Uh, this is at a time when we didn't have any of the vaccines were far on the horizon which I'm not advocating for, but there weren't vaccines at all then. Um, and you had this doctor saying, wait a minute, we don't need to be afraid of, be afraid of COVID. It's very treatable. You can use inhaled budesonide to deal with the lung issues. We had hydroxychloroquine then at the time. So anyway, he's, he's joining me tomorrow. I want to encourage you to, to listen to that show. But part of what's happened with COVID, my, my three uh, topics I'm going to hit under this politics obliterating reality are COVID, the LGBTQ agenda um, and police statistics and information about the police. But on COVID, the media tries so hard to scare you, scare everyone by running headlines about new cases as though new cases mean anything to mislead you and to be, have you frightened into uh, cowering in your homes, wearing two masks and goggles and you know, uh, afraid to go out your front door and the political divide between how conservatives and liberals, Republicans and Democrats, see COVID is very understandable given how the media covers it. Well, Bill Maher, of all people, who's not, you know, clearly not aligned mostly with conservatives, but Bill Maher had a great little clip, I want to ask Matt the Wonderful to play, talking about how the media in this country have played the American people to the point of their 
idiocy on the subject of COVID. Researchers at Dartmouth built a database recently monitoring the COVID coverage of the major news outlets across the world and found that while other countries mix the good news in with the bad, the U.S. national media reported almost 90% bad news. <clears throat> Even as things were getting better, the reporting remained negative. And politicians, they lie because it's their nature to cover their ass so they don't get blamed if things goes badly. And also to keep in practice. When all of our sources for medical information have an agenda to spin us, yeah, you wind up with a badly misinformed population, including on the left. But what about liberals? You know, the high information by the science people? In a recent Gallup survey, Democrats did much worse than Republicans in getting the right answer to the fundamental question, what are the chances that someone who gets COVID will need to be hospitalized? The answer is between one and 5%. 41% of Democrats thought it was over 50%. Another 28% put the chances at 20 to 49. So almost 70% of Democrats are wildly off on this key question and also have a greatly exaggerated view of the danger of COVID-2 and the mortality rate among children. Okay, I could, could play this whole segment. I mean, he's like made my case, but I want to really encourage you, my very fine friends, my listeners, I want to encourage you, trust your instinct on a lot of questions. Trust your instinct. When the media keeps generating hysteria and, and yet you see all sorts of people you know out and about, healthy, not becoming ill. Don't get sucked in by what the media tries to do to you. Because what he's saying is it, it is astonishing and it's scary and it is very detrimental to freedom in our country. Very detrimental to freedom in our country. Because you have half Americans, more than half, scared to death. Actually, quick little anecdote on that. So my husband and I were at this conference, as I mentioned, and we're going down the elevator in the hotel. And my husband, um, who maybe is a nicer person than I am, he has his mask on. I didn't have my mask on. Some guy gets on the elevator. He's got a mask on. So he's kind of looking at me. I said, hey, hi. You know, I don't know him. So I said, hi. And then um, I said, yeah, I don't, I don't care for masks too much. I think, I, you know, I don't, I'm not really, I don't care for masks. And he said, well, I sure hope we get through this COVID thing, you know, within the next four to five years. Four to five years. I mean, I, you know, I, I pretty outspoken, as you can probably tell if you watch this show. And I, I mean, honestly, this is a intelligent looking guy, suit and tie, dressed nicely, you know, very professional looking, carrying a briefcase, going off to some meeting. He thinks we're going to be stuck with COVID four to five years, unbeknownst to him. Huge numbers of doctors have been saying we're already over the pandemic. It's already over. The numbers are going down. Texas, as a great example, opened up the state, ended the mask mandate. And our numbers are going down. The numbers are better in states that don't mandate the mask and that are open rather than in states that continue to have mask mandates and to keep the state shut down. And yet these facts, you can read them, and yet the media is trying to steer you into fear, 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 fear. One other quick thing on this on COVID, then I'm turning my other two topics. But there was a, there's a guy, Steve Cortez, C-O-R-T-E-S, Steve Cortez, um, and he put a tweet out that was about that was taking information from a Stanford University study. In fact, it was Stanford study citing an NIH study. So Stanford, you know, pretty high ranked, NIH. Cortez puts out, 
face masks are dirty, dehumanizing, and ineffective. Stanford University study, based on NIH data, the data suggests that both medical and non-medical face masks are ineffective to block human-to-human -human transmission of viral and infectious disease such as SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19. So this is a fact put out by the NIH, masks are useless, and Stanford agrees. Cortez puts it in a tweet, and he's, he's uh, suspended from Twitter. So the media plays a hu huge role in keeping you not just afraid, but ill-informed. When facts come out, they don't want you to know. Another one, about another topic, I totally want to hit COVID. I want to hit the subject of police, uh, the interaction between America's police officers and the American public. I just tell you an astonishing, astonishing disconnect from reality. So there was research out about for the data for 2019, because full data is available from 2019. The data are about, it's broken down by political affiliation, whether you are very liberal, liberal, moderate, conservative, very conservative. And the question was, what number do you think? How many unarmed black men were killed by police in 2019? This was the question. Again, how many unarmed black men were killed by police in 2019? Because of the way the media portrays incidents between officers and citizens and the sources you read. If you read left-wing sources, they are there to sensationalize, to propagandize, to vilify the police officers, to paint America as a deeply racist, systemic racist country where there is just a, a major, major problem with police officers killing unarmed black American uh, citizens, unarmed black men. This is how the media portrays it. And when there are corrections to the story, when you find out, for example, uh, that the young man who unfortunately lost his life because he was holding a gun, uh, Adam Toledo, armed uh, a 13-year-old killed by police, when the media put out the story, they cut out the part of the video that showed literally he had a gun in his hand and he dropped the gun less than one second less than one second before the officer fired gun residue on his hand but the media on the left lives to divide america to sell america the left-wing view of america to sell the american citizens a view that the democrat party and the left in this country want you to believe that we're a deeply divided racist country and that we are in a country filled with unnecessarily violent police officers who unnecessarily kill unarmed young black men every day, all day long, that we're having a virtual you know, uh, epidemic of that. Let me tell you the facts, actual facts. Okay, here we go. So, very liberal, they, so the question they were asked again, how many unarmed black men do you think were killed by police in the year 2019? Among the category of very liberal respondents, over 14%, over 14% thought that there were about 10,000 unarmed black males killed by police in that year. 
So again, over 14% thought that there were about 10,000 unarmed black males killed by police. 31%, so a huge number um, of those very liberals, said it was more like about 1,000. I could read you. I should have the chart up. I didn't send Matthew one for the chart, so I can't do that. But I'll just, just keep these numbers. They're not that hard. 14, over 14% said they thought that in 2019, about 10,000 unarmed black males were killed by police officers, and a whopping 31% said about 1,000. So that is 43% of them think it's somewhere between 1,000 and 10,000. The actual number, the actual number, 27. 27. Now, I don't like, I, I'm saddened by the death of anyone. I'm saddened by the death by people at the hands of the police, even when the police have to fire. In the instance we talked about last week, the police simply had to fire to protect the innocent lives of others or to protect the life of the police officers. I wish those things didn't happen, but they do. But the media lives to contort and lie to the American people to keep the American people, and especially African-Americans, worked up into a frenzy based on the lie that there is an, just an epidemic of police officers killing unarmed young black men in some unprovoked and unnecessary way. And those facts just simply are not borne out. They are not borne out. On the other hand, of course, you had, you know, you have the conservatives far better, far more um, comprehending uh, the reality of the situation. Not, not, I'm far more likely to be closer to the accurate number. I'll probably have to put these numbers up because it's too hard to keep talking about them, except I want to say it's really important to understand the media try and the Democrat Party tries to tell the American people we're living in this frenzy of unarmed young black males innocently walking down the street, gunned down. And frankly, uh, LeBron James is now getting a whole world of uh, ill attention, bad attention for the tweets he's been putting out. Uh, there was a case involving a young woman, um, who a 16-year-old young woman, young black woman, who had a, a big knife in her hand, who had pushed one girl down, who went flying across the yard as the officers arriving, jumping out of the car. And this young black woman had a, a, another black woman pinned against a car and, and had a knife in her hand and was charging at her to, to kill her with a knife, to stab her with a knife. The officer said, stop, drop to the ground, stop, drop to the ground, some words like that. She did not stop. The officer fired and killed this young 16-year-old black woman. Horrible situation. Families outside. I mean, some neighbor's family are outside watching it happen. And, and you know, the young girl was, who's, uh, was pinned against a car who was about to be stabbed to death, She's put out a statement, her family has saying, thank you officer for saving my life. I appreciate you didn't let her kill me. But the media, when you see the litany of stories they report, this young woman's name will be listed along with everybody else's name involved in incidents with the police without the adult attention, the serious attention to detail and fact that, that make all the difference in the world in these stories. Nobody wants police violence. Nobody wants 
The police officer does not wake up every day in America thinking, gee, I sure hope I get to fire my weapon today in, the in, in accordance or in, in the middle of an incident. No police officer wakes up thinking that. In fact, they probably wake up, geez, I hope I don't have to do this. They don't want to do this. But part of what the left is doing in the destruction of America, the destruction of our culture and society, is trying to weave into the mindset of ignorant Americans that actually there's a police uh, you know, unspoken mission to harm innocent Americans who weren't doing anything wrong, to fire their weapons unnecessarily. Nothing could be further from the truth. But this happens in this culture we are facing where you have the, the media, it's not just the Democrat Party, it's the media, it's the leftists in this country using politics to obliterate reality. Uh, last quick topic on the subject, um, I, I wanted to cover COVID and police. I want to just very quickly talk about the LGBTQ agenda and how politics obliterate reality, except for people like you who listen to my show, sane Americans who actually pay attention and can still think unbullied, unbattered by the leftist media mob in this country trying to get their agenda through by obliterating reality, hiding reality. I want to talk about the LGBTQ agenda very, very quickly. So in California, where my husband and I, by the way, lived for many years, our kids were all born there, we have family out there, we love California. In California, the legislature, untethered to sanity, passed a law last year, which became effective January 1st of this year. That law said, it was SB 132, which is Senate Bill 132, it became law that it mandates, mandates that people who are in prison in California, people in prison can declare themselves transgender. And then they have, they can demand the right to be moved to a prison in accordance with their gender identity. And you know, when this bill was floating around last year, we talked about it on the show. I talked about it in various speeches I gave. I mean, it, it's, it's insanity on steroids and, and just insanity on steroids. So you have serial rapists, men who are serial rapists in prison can suddenly wake up and say, hey, you know what, now that I think about it, I think I'm a woman. Yeah, I'm a woman, I'm a transgender, and I wanna get transferred to the women's prison. Nothing in the bill protects women, real women, biological women in prisons from these new men who will then be housed with these women. So now California is facing like reality a little bit because they've had um, 261, 261 men in prison have now decided that now they think about it, they're a woman and they want to get transferred to the women's prison. I, I can't even, and you can see the idiocy. I wanted the other thing, the other more tender issue related to this transgender crazy where you have the latest, flu, the latest crazy out of the American left trying to obliterate and harm American society, this LGBTQ agenda, this transgender agenda, you have in the gray state of Texas a bill pending right now which essentially would say that young boys and girls, minors, children under the age of 18 would be, under the provisions of the Texas law, would be prohibited from having gender transitioning surgery 
or as they say, genital mutilation, gender transitioning surgery, or gender transitioning treatments of any kind. You know, whether those are blockers of various kinds, whatever the uh, medications that doctors would prescribe to prevent the normal development of the body into puberty, into puberty. So the law would say basically you can't do this till you're 18. You know, and so the law in part is being discussed in Texas because of a case which has made national headlines, a couple who had twin boys, the couple divorced, the dad, you know, has partial custody, sees the boys sometimes. The mom wants to transition one of the boys into a girl. The dad insists every time the two boys are with him, the boys are boys, they want to be boys, they play like boys, they want to be boys. The mom insists that the one boy she has decided is really a girl and makes this boy dress in girls' clothes to go to school, give, gave this boy a girl's name, and is pushing to be permitted to begin that puberty blocking and other treatments they give to transgenders. The kid is seven. Seven, I'm sorry, most seven-year-olds still believe in Santa Claus. Most seven-year-olds still looking out for the tooth fairy, tooth fairy, looking out for, hey, the Easter Bunny. This is what seven-year-olds think. But this woman is trying to say, this boy, he really does know. And, and you know, we got to listen to the child. After all, you know, uh, he says he's a girl. And so the dad's trying to say, can somebody help me, please? Somebody in this state stop my ex-wife from turning my son into a girl who doesn't want to be a girl. Now, you know what? Even if you could get truth serum into this little boy, and he said, well, I don't know. You know, my mom tells me I'm a girl. My dad says I'm a boy. I think I'm a boy or I think I'm a girl. Why in the world the adults in this country cannot say, you know what? At seven years old, we're not going to do this to you. We're going to protect your innocence as a child. And the other thing, we, I'm going to be on this topic more in another show upcoming, but I want to wrap up the show today by saying this. Just even the way the headlines vary in Texas uh, between how you know, we talk about the transgender thing. I'm just talking about politics just obliterating reality. One headline by my good friend who, um, uh, who uh, I have a good friend who started a publication in Texas called The Texan. Their headline about this bill in the hearing, bills to ban sex change procedures for kids, see testimony from doctors and parents on both sides. The left wing newspaper in Texas, the Texas Tribune says, Texas lawmakers advance bills blocking access to gender affirming health care. Gender affirming health care. So they're taking sides, they're saying this seven year old knows he wants to be a girl. Gender-affirming healthcare, despite opposition from LGBTQ Texans and medical associations. Well, of course, the LGBTQ Texans are, are having a free-for-all, uh, saying, yeah, you know, anything goes. In fact, there have been LGBTQ advocates saying that everybody, as they, as they enter puberty, should take puberty blockers. Everybody, boys and girls, because maybe they'll figure out over their adolescent years which one they really want to be, and we can just prevent them all from developing normally by having puberty blockers and let them to figure out. I mean, and we're in such a world of crazy. I'm telling you, back to my conference over the weekend, back to how I am actually upbeat about America. I think the left. And I hate to even call them the left because that even sounds like there's some place in the American playing field in the American ballpark of normalcy. 
the radical left, the Marxists, the communists who have taken over the left wing of America. They have, they are doing things to America that are extremely dangerous, doing things to destroy family, doing things to destroy the very concept of our identity as created by God, doing things to obliterate reality. And the test and the question for elected officials in Texas and Washington, all over this country, is are you savvy enough to understand what they're doing? And are you brave enough to stand up and stop them? And it's the same question for every single person listening to this and every single patriot in this country. The question is, are you brave enough to stand up and stop them? All of us have to be because the left is not going to stop unless they are stopped by the patriots who still want America to be America, still want freedom to be an American assumption, still want childhood to be innocent, still want truth in COVID data, still want truth told about America and the American policing function, still want a unified America. These Americans, which I tell you is the 80 million who voted for Trump, those Americans, we are the majority, but we need to have our voices heard. We need to be outspoken out there, speaking up every day for the fundamental goodness and greatness of this precious country. I close the show every day by telling you why the stories I talked about today matter to you. So we started today's show by talking about my mission, my show, American Freedom. To everyone listening to America Can We Talk, we are not alone. We must keep each other reinforced. The House Freedom Caucus this past weekend filled with elected representatives who get it at every level. They know what's at stake and how precarious America's condition is. The Senate Conservatives Fund and Conservative Partnership Institute, True Patriot Fighters, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert are smeared relentlessly by the media. They are salt of the earth, American patriots, putting everything on the line for America. The Right Women Pack, which I didn't even get to talking about, tell you about that another day, standing up for Green and Boebert and any American woman patriot willing to stand up and run for Congress. Take heart. Millions of Americans see what's going on. They have not given up. Neither should you. And I'm pursuing truth and a new do documentary or new film. Mike Lindell has released Absolute Interference, a two-plus-hour on election fraud in 2020. Overwhelming evidence. Watch it yourself and decide for yourself. Communist China hacked into the election and determined the outcome, defeated a Trump landslide. Does this truth matter to the American people? Is it proof too late to do anything about it? Should Americans just move along? Truth exists and it matters. And it's not a matter of partisan interpretation. Not yet clear what the right remedy is, but passivity is not consistent with the spirit of America. And finally, when politics obliterates reality, how many unarmed black Americans were killed by police in 2019? 14% of survey respondents believed over 10,000. 31% said over 1,000. Those are of the liberals who answered. Actual number 27. I, and again, I'm sorry for every loss of life. Those 27 lives mattered. But even in those cases, we don't know the facts and circumstances. And to conclude that even 27 were killed in an unjustified way is not fair, is not justified. Steve Cortez cites a Stanford NIH study disputing the effectiveness of masks, masks for COVID, and that was taken down by Twitter. California passes a law allowing convicted rapists to claim identity as, a transgender, as transgender women and move to women's prisons. Americans' perceptions of reality are being distorted 
purposely by political demagogues and the media. Refuse to participate in this deception and manipulation. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can you hear us now? America Can We Talk? Truth about America.